0: Well, another fascinating week, and I say that with tongue-in-cheek. Grains in general, you know, uh, one day it was up, next day down. Uh, oh, what? Oh, hold it, No, don't go away, it's back up again. For the most part, corn futures trading range-bound have been for about six weeks, and that's kind of expected at this time of year, but uh, all the rest of this volatility is just hard to keep up with. And uh, obviously, our conversation now with Coley and Cavanaugh is brought to you by the Allen County Farm Bureau, and they have been very helpful as we have been putting together the Farm Bill 2023 Roundtable at Huntington University. That's coming up this Wednesday and you can still reserve your seat on the farm page at wowo.com. The Farm Bill is a big deal for the Farm Bureau and so is a Farm Bureau membership and it starts right here in your own home county. My membership is through the Allen County Farm Bureau. Support your local county Farm Bureau with a membership one line to it, pays to be a member.org Well, I don't know if you call this uh, necessarily fun this week, David, but uh, certainly has been interesting trying to chase this thing <laughs> as it has gyrated all over the place. Big swings. It just seems to me, David, that the uh, market has been chasing headlines.
1: It sure has, and the headlines they're chasing are the weather forecast <laughs> and not the yeah. current forecast. It's all this two-week-out, three-week. You, you can't get a weather forecast that accurate that out first, they were saying less heat and more rain. Then they said, well, maybe a little hotter and less rain. And then maybe again, it goes back and forth. And each time they change the forecast, the market reacts accordingly to it because we're making beans right now and corn, we're definitely seeing, you know, ear fill there. So I think the whole problem is everybody's trying to get their head wrapped around with this weather forecast. But you know why they always say, I watch the weather and not the forecast.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, (laughs) at this point, because of that, everybody's still guessing what the harvest is going to bring, what it's going to look like. I was out to Bob Pribble's place, he had his open house this week, and he's got test plots right there at the shop, showed me a couple of sample ears of some corn, same hybrid, same field, even in the same row, pulled off a couple of ears, and he said, this one, figure this is going to be about 120 bushel corn, and this one, about 250 bushel corn, same row, same field, same hybrid, same everything, so I don't, John, is rain at this point going to help at all? (laughs) <laughs> rain always
2: helps. However, let's also realize that the need for rain for the most amount of rain has come to pass. Yes, yes, we could use more rain that helps grain fill, but the corn plants demand for moisture at this time of the year is considerably less than it is during pollination. However, you know, I'm looking at the forecast. We've got a chance to rain over the weekend and not much past that. So if we don't see some rain develop in the coming seven to 10 days, yeah, I think we could probably lose some yield potential.
0: I'm hearing the same thing, David, even with the fairly mild, I mean, considering it with it's August, right? Fairly mild temperatures that these corn crops are needing about a half an inch a day that, uh, you know, to absorb. And it's, it, the soil moisture is getting down there a ways. So, uh, David, it begs a question. The Pro Farmer Crop Tour kicks off this Wednesday. Boots on the ground and off they go. What do you expect they're going to find?
1: Well, they're going to find a lot of variability for one thing. You know, they always try and get the best fields they possibly can. But the real question is how much variability will still sneak into their samples. And they're going to have a really tough time with beans because they were such late planted. And they're not going to be able to get really, really good numbers there because the beans are still developing. On the corn, it's just going to be, you know, the best they can do as they're out there. But I don't think this will be the definitive report this time for the fact of crops were late planted, and even pro-farmers
2: admitted that. They're going wow. to have a very difficult time trying to get a handle on our crops. Yeah, that's true, David, but uh, corn's not necessarily going to be that far off. Soybeans, is, it's definitely uh, too premature to get a, an accurate number on soybeans, but uh, come on, David, lay the cards on the table. What do you think will be their estimate on corn? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, definitely around
1: 176, uh, 175 and a half on their corn. On the beans, definitely over 51, maybe 51.2, 51 51.5. I was going to
0: take you to task, but I can't do it with those <laughs> Well, And, you know, we're not the only ones, by the way, uh, dealing with this heat. You know, as we started to compare notes together before we started the broadcast, John, you brought up China, and, you know, these stories are just starting to now leak out. But apparently, this heat and dryness in parts of China and that corn crop are really starting to take a licking over it. But apparently, that's been going on for like six weeks. You thought we had a drought problem. The extreme heat and dryness there, uh, they're major crop growing regions, and their crop is uh, really getting severely damaged. And I mean, just to give you an idea how bad it is, they've had temperatures around 115, 116 degrees. They cut factory hours and set limits on air conditioning at about like 79 degrees or higher. Reservoirs down 60%. China China likes to have their storehouses filled filled with corn, and uh, it would seem that they're going to become a customer of ours in a big way sometime soon.
2: You know, that remains to be seen. I've been saying that for a long time, but I still think that they're going to be a good customer of ours. I think they demonstrated that last year and also the follow-through this year, although not as big as the previous year. But the other side of that is, is because of these problems uh, and the factory slowing down, their economy has been hurting, and it continues to uh, have a slow, uh, depressed economy, and this is only going to intensify it so that could hurt demand. So you know, which one's going to dominate? I think right now we're just going to have to wait and see how this all shakes
0: out. Yeah, I think you're right on the economy part of it. That's a big deal with them right now. David, what was the biggest highlight in soybeans this week, uh, other than the fact that they gyrated up and down in fistfuls of cash, I mean, you know, 20 and 40 cents at a crack?
1: For me, it was the export sales interest and the rumors that they still want more beans. They were rumoring on Thursday they want to buy at least five more cargoes of soybeans in the U.S., And they were the biggest buyer last week. They bought 860,000 tons. And it looks like they're in the market for even more. The total number was 1.4 million metric tons of very solid week in export sales. I think that's really underpinned the market at this point because every time we've seen the market sell off, demand has just come roaring in for both corn and for soybeans.
0: Yeah, it was good to have them back in the market. I think everybody was feeling a little bit better about seeing China jump back in in a little bit bigger way like that. So probably bringing a little optimism to the market. You know, one of the other things that was really pressing on the market this week, and we really saw it when you were looking at wheat. You know, with more shipments coming out of Ukraine, you know, we were all worried about whether or not they were going to get all those mines out of the harbor and keep those ships safe. And all of a sudden, what was it this week? Like 24 ships in and out of that harbor. So uh, things got cooking. And I think that probably dealt a hand of volatility to the wheat market.
1: It sure did. They sure paid a lot of attention to that, being able to export out of there. And that has been a big, big game changer as far as world wheat demand is going on right now. The big question, though, to be answered is, you know, that first shipment of corn was turned down because it stayed in the ship for about five months, and that was a problem on that quality with that. The big question for me is, what's their harvest going to be like this year? And then they're talking about next year, because of all the damage the Russians have done, they could lose anywhere up to 60% of their croplands due to the damage. So Mm. it's an ongoing story, and it's not all settled yet.
0: One of the other things, though, too, is that French wheat, boy, that's had a tough bout with heat and dryness as well, David.
1: Yeah, and both France and Spain, too. I keep forgetting about Spain they've seen this heat and dry really affect their uh, wheat crop. Also in Eastern Europe, their corn and their wheat crop have been affected, especially the corn this summer because of the heat. And then in Germany, uh, their corn crops also suffer too. So, it's not just been uh, one separate part of the world. Everybody's getting hit so far in the Northern Hemisphere.
0: Yeah, and that uh, makes it even more important. Anything that's coming out of Ukraine at this point is gonna gonna help at least a little bit. Let's turn our attentions towards South America because their uh, safrinha corn crop is coming out of the field right now. Dr. Michael Cordonier is one of the foremost experts on South American corn and soybean crops, and you've heard him on the program several times, and he's a very smart guy with regard to the crops down there. He He said this this past week. He said the Safrina corn yields in Brazil have come down, and last week, ConAB dropped their corn estimate, about a million tons, down to 114.6. USDA left the Brazil corn estimate, theirs at 116 million tons. But uh, now Cordonier says he's, uh, he's taking it down to 112. And I'll send this to John first, because John, when I told you about this, you <laughs> argued with me about it. But you made a very good point, and that was is that we get that from Cordonier, who I think we all respect very much. But then Reuters came out, and they were <laughs> popping the cork on the champagne, saying Brazilian farmers are expected to harvest a record corn crop this year. But you made a really good point about that. Uh, Compared to last year, last year they had issues
2: serious issues. Remember that uh, the, the Safrina corn crop was down sharply and their corn crop was basically a disaster last year. It was down sharply from the year before. So a lot of people said, oh, the Brazilian corn crop is up sharply from last year. Well, that's distorting the truth. It is up sharply, but you're not comparing with a good year. You're comparing to what a mouse do like comparing with a drought year in the U.S. So, uh, <laughs> however, right. it is uh, expected to be a good crop. Uh, the USDA is at 116 million tons and Dr. Cordonier is down to 112 million tons. And I I think that's significant. He says the yields that are coming in are, are disappointing, and therefore it's probably 112. Well, let's say that's correct. That's that's 4 million tons less than the USDA number. That just tightens up the world supply and demand that much more. You're talking about uh, how much corn China may take out of the US. One of the big factors of this is how much corn does Brazil grow? Because they're going to buy Brazilian corn first and then come to us. If their crop is at 112, like Dr. Cordonier says, that will bring more business the
0: U.S. from China. Yeah, well, and the point that you've been making all along, and I continue to it just continues to kind of ring in my ears every time we talk about this stuff, is you're talking about carryout going to be very, very tight. I think everybody's going to be watching the Pro Farmer Crop Tour. But David, to your point, don't know that anybody is going to feel like that is the definitive end number. Speaking of numbers, David, you began to bring it up. Let's go back to it again, and that is China jumping back in the market. We've kind of got a chuckle here recently about China telling us that their hog herd was growing and then they came back to us and became the number one buyer of our pork, David. And well they did that again this last week. Not that we're complaining.
1: No kidding. You know it's really awesome to see they're buying beef from us. They're buying pork. It really, really tipped the beef scale over by eighteen point nine. That's up seventy percent from a week ago. Uh, the pork sales were low, but with the Chinese interest continuing, I'm really, really excited about that going forward. And plus, hog market, has, which has been cash-wise, been going straight to the moon. It finally backed off a bit. Right,
2: but yeah. then, of
1: course, I think the cattle market is seeing really, really strong cash prices this week. My gosh, they're look, looking at numbers I hadn't anticipated to see. We're finally seeing... The lesser show list, and it's finally showing up with Packer demand.
0: Strong prices. I think I might be able to buy a stake sometime in 2024 at this rate for Grand Islands. This is getting absolutely crazy. Uh, Mexico, though, they are still champions.
1: Yeah, they sure are. They bought 7,000 tons of pork. And they were buying corn from us again. Really appreciate it. And they also bought wheat. They were the biggest buyer of wheat from us in the last week. But then don't forget, for John, China also bought sorghum this week. The biggest sale I've <laughs> seen for a while, John, at 51.3. So, hey, that, I'll tell you what, their grocery cart is getting full right now. They're buying about everything off the shelf.
0: Nobody buys sorghum. With sorghum. Listen, I'm not talking out of school here, but John Kavanaugh, a little under the weather, a little sniffly nose, so I'm going to take your position here this week with the final word. How about that?
2: Well, you can, but I do have one, so go oh, ahead. Oh, man.
0: Okay. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to steal well, your you thunder. All right,
2: you me up, but all right. Just, this will be real quick. Cause this wasn't mentioned, but something to point out to our listeners. Monday, August the 22nd, the USDA is coming out with the number of failed and prevent plant acres. Ah, And Mark has been looking for that number for some time, and just a little side note on that, it's believed that uh, 42% of all cotton acres were abandoned this year, primarily in Texas and Oklahoma, and guess what those acres are most likely to go to?
0: Did they say anything in there about uh, North and South Dakota because Prevent Plant was supposed to be a big deal up there this year?
2: Oh yeah it is. That's going to be the leading stage for Prevent Plant and that's what the market's got an eye on. They want to know how much that is and so that's going to be a very interesting report.
0: We'll keep an eye on that. Coley and Cavanaugh brought to you by the Allen County Farm Bureau. And they've been very helpful as we've been putting together the Farm Bill 2023 Roundtable at Huntington University. That's coming up this Wednesday, and you can reserve your seat on the farm page at wowo.com. Indiana Farm Bureau President Randy Crone is going to be joining Senator Mike Brown on the panel. And I couldn't be more pleased. The Farm Bureau does so much lobbying for farm families on the state as well as the national level. So the Farm Bill is a big deal for the Farm Bureau, and so is a Farm Bureau membership. It starts right here in your own home county. My membership is through the Allen County Farm Bureau. Support your local Farm Bureau with a membership. Go online to to itpaystobeamember.org.
1: Podcasts by Federated Media.